0: Welcome to the Dietitian Collaborative Podcast. I'm Celestina, a chef, dietitian, and total foodie. Each week, I chat with another awesome RD so we can learn a bit more about how diverse our profession really is and how much we can benefit from collaborating with fellow RDs. What up, my fellow RDs? I'm so happy to be back at you after two weeks of no podcast, or I guess it's one week of no podcast, two weeks of not talking to you. Anyway, I hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving. This was technically supposed to come out last week, but sometimes your values take precedence. And for me, that meant chilling with my family, taking care of whatever this nasal thing is. And uh, yeah, so we're here this week. We have a guest on today, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear my chat with Danielle. But before that, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the mindset that I've been in probably like the last month, month and a half, And this can happen to you as an entrepreneur as well, which is why I want to bring it up. I think back, all the way back at the beginning of the season, um, episode one of season two, I talked a little bit about my why, my values, and I seem to have forgotten that this past month. And maybe in part because things have just been a little bit of, a little bit slow and i know that monetary success doesn't deem success right for my definition of it but also it can be very frustrating when you do the things or you feel like you think like you're doing the things and you're not seeing the the reciprocal on the other end so i think i lost my voice this month not like literally But I wasn't harnessing my voice. I wasn't talking about the things that lit me up or light me up and sharing that, right? I was relying too much on like direct outreach and talking to people that I had already made connections with rather than sharing my two cents, my voice with more people. And it's, I mean, I don't want to say I was down in the dumps, but like, I think All of that kind of led to a down in the dumps feeling, right? Hmm. So interesting, like thinking back on it now, I'm literally doing this in real time, thinking through this. So please bear with me, but there's no one who's going to pick you up from that down in the dump spot when you are a solopreneur, when you're an entrepreneur, right? Like if you're in a corporate job, there's going to be someone above you or your coworkers being like, Hey, like, don't you have to get that done? Like, this is the deadline. But when you're an entrepreneur, solopreneur, you are that person, right? Like you need to know what is gonna pick you up out of that down in the dumps spot. Maybe it's just time and waiting it out. But when you are ready again, you gotta get yourself back out of it because you are the marketing team. You are the person who's going to interact with clients. You are everything as that solopreneur. And if you lose your voice or if you lose your stamina, there's no one else going to do it for you. So really consider that. But also remember that like feeling down in the dumps isn't necessarily a bad place to be. Maybe you need to feel that out for some reason. I don't have the answers to why, but maybe you do. So don't negate those feelings and feel like you have to work through them. Like feel the feels, go back to season one, episode 21, where I talked about feeling all the feels and really lean into that if you need to lean into that, right? So just consider all of that. But (laughs) actually before recording this episode, I think like yesterday or maybe the day before, I realized that I was forgetting my why, that my voice wasn't being heard, that I wasn't using my voice. And that's what actually got me out of this down in the dumps kind of situation. So sometimes it's just a little bit of self-reflection and recognizing like what you typically do versus what you've been doing. And that can be where your answer is to like, get your groove back, if you will. So I know, like, we know this as business professionals, right? Like, if we've ever worked with a business coach or if we've ever read any kind of business blog or listened to any kind of business podcast online, we know that we can repurpose our content, and I don't know why this was such an aha moment for me, but the, like, the moment that I found it again, I realized that like what I'm saying in the moment on a story or on a reel Spontaneously, and like I'm feeling that in the moment, so I think that that's that's most impactful for me as a manifester who only has one, um, uh, like one source of energy right from my ego, my heart center. So I can speak from my heart in the moment spontaneously, and that I know is going to be impactful spontaneously, but duh, I could also repurpose that content. I don't know why that's so novel, it's not, it's not novel, like I said, most. Business coaches, most business podcasts give that advice. But sometimes when you're in a creative slump, you kind of forget the simple things. You forget to go back to basics. So that was my aha moment this week. And I just wanted to share that with you guys. So hopefully that resonates in some way, shape or form. But I would love to hear from you. Have you ever lost your why? Have you ever lost sight of why you were doing something or the actions that you were taking and just maybe lost creativity what started that maybe like reflect on that and then how did you come out of that I would love to know so hit me up on instagram dms at the dietitian collaborative or shoot me an email at cbrunettiwellness at gmail.com and we can have a conversation about it because I think it's important to share it and not like not feel like we're alone in all this because I'm sure it happens to you but we just have to talk about it right so anyway you know who hasn't lost their why Maybe, maybe not, (laughs) but today's guest, she knows exactly who she serves and how to help them. Danielle Bublitz, MS RDN, is a registered dietitian nutritionist and a certified intuitive eating counselor. She specializes in working with people with diabetes and with binge eating through a health at every size lens. Danielle is passionate about guiding her clients with diabetes towards feeling more at peace with their food decisions, blood sugar management, as well as making peace with their bodies. Danielle, welcome to the Dietitian Collaborative. I'm super stoked that you're here
1: today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm excited to chat with you more today. Excellent.
0: Let's determine the three most important questions ever, and then we'll talk a little bit more about you. Sounds good? Sounds good. Mm -hmm. Excellent.
1: What is your bucket list travel destination? Oh man. Okay. So I like pre COVID, you know, my husband and I were ready to go to Ireland and Scotland. We had our tickets booked, unfortunately, you know, just because of everything that happened, we had to pause it, but that's my bucket list. You know, my dad's side of the family is Irish and I want to be in Ireland and I want to be running through green fields in Ireland. So that's my bucket list right now.
0: I love that. Fun fact, I recorded with Jess from Empowering Dietitians today, and that was also her answer.
1: Hilarious. I love Jess. Jess was my she did I did supervision with her, and she's fabulous. So you guys need to frolic through the fields of Ireland yes. and Scotland together. That would be the best. That sounds like a dream. <laughs> <laughs> all right, question number two: favorite food of all time. I feel like I always go between pizza and donuts, but I really Mm -hmm. think pizza is like my favorite food. I could probably eat it all the time and not get bored of it. So definitely pizza.
0: Literally my favorite food as well. And why has the pizza donut not been invented
1: yet? You know, I think bagel bites really tried and they were getting us a step closer, but uh, yeah, it really should. Can you imagine just that fluffy bite and wow. then cheesy goodness? That would be amazing. Oh my God. That's hey. like Neapolitan pizza, but like if Neapolitan pizza was sweet. Oh my gosh, that sounds so good.
0: Okay, it's that like, should be an
1: invention.
0: <laughs> you're eating the pizza and by the time you get to the end, it's dessert. I love it. It sounds <laughs> <That's> so good. <laughs> Dominic Ansel, the man who invented the cronut. Please invent the pizza nut. That sounds weird. Pizza. Terrible name.
1: <laughs> pizza pizza dough. Dough pizza. Dough pizza. Dough pizza. Dough pizza. I like that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Let's make it happen. <laughs> All right. And then question number three: Coffee or cocktails? I coffee. It's got to be coffee. Like I love a good cocktail. I really do but coffee brings me joy. Like I feel, I feel like having a cocktail helps me unwind, but having coffee brings light to my soul. So yeah, coffee.
0: I I dig it. How do you take your coffee?
1: Oh man. Um, So I am very simple. I I like hazelnut creamer specifically. So I do some hazelnut creamer. Um, I have an AeroPress.
0: Have you heard of AeroPress? Hell yeah, I have. You're talking to a coffee connoisseur. Okay. Okay.
1: I don't know. I feel like, again, I like coffee. I'm not like a super connoisseur, but we have an AeroPress that we got on our, um, it was on our wedding registry. Yeah. Best. The best. (laughs) So I have that hazelnut creamer. And then I just do a little bit of, for myself, I add stevia and it's delicious. That sounds delightful. Wait. So the AeroPress is like your everyday cup. Oh
0: yeah. Oh
1: damn. Oh, yeah, That's It makes fancy. me very happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so it's good. Like, for you guys out there, it's like having like an espresso, like the amount of like crema in like an espresso, but like in a squished
1: cup of coffee. It's so delicious, and I also yeah. have one of those like uh, what is it, the milk frother thing. Oh, so yeah. yeah, so that's my thing. I, I do the Aeropress, I add the hazelnut creamer, little stevia, and then I go over the sink and I froth it up, and it's yes. amazing.
0: Yes, for the longest time I referred to that as a milk vibrator, and I now know that that is very incorrect. <laughs> I
1: mean, you know, it makes a lot of sense if you think about it. But, uh, yeah, it's it's like they're so easy to get, so cheap, and a really great, like, product, you know, if you like having more of the frothy drinks. Oh, yeah. That's also how I take
0: my, my milk in my coffee, so I can relate. Okay, so now that we basically know everything about you and basically your morning routine at this point –
1: Dough pizzas
0: and coffee. (laughs) I forgot about (laughs) dough pizzas. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So, Danielle, please tell me a little bit about your RD journey that has led you to where you're at now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's been quite the journey. So, you know, even prior to studying dietetics, when I was 16 years old, I was diagnosed with type one diabetes. And that was just like such a shock to our family because no one else in my family had it. Yeah, Um, My endocrinologist thinks, you know, I had a really bad flu the month Mm -hmm. prior. And so they feel like potentially I had like this autoimmune response because I was sick for like a month. It was like, Probably the worst flu I've ever had, and like shortly after that, I just started exhibiting all those signs of diabetes, you know, like really exhausted, going to the bathroom a lot, and during that time, my uh, stepmom, who was an ICU nurse, she was on maternity leave, with my little brother, yeah. and she was kind of like watching me back and forth like something is up, something's something's not right, and she yeah. got a glucose meter had me fast and check my blood sugar the next day. And thank goodness for her, because I know a lot of people's diabetes diagnosis stories can start in the hospital. And so yeah. because of her, I didn't end up, you know, being hospitalized. I it was caught pretty fast. But from that point on, I think I really started to take an interest in healthcare because I had this healthcare team around me and they were really important to me. Like I saw how their collaboration together and their time with me was so instrumental to me getting to a place where I could take care of myself. Flash forward, I, you know, went to community college, I did all like the, you know, courses, undergrad courses, psychology, uh, you know, statistics, things like that. And I went up to NorCal to do my undergrad for dietetics, which was an amazing experience. I ended up doing my master's back in my hometown, which is in Thousand Oaks, California. So I went to Cal State Northridge for my master's and did my dietetic internship. And basically the start of my journey as a a dietitian, I worked clinically. So, you know, I worked clinically, lots of tube feeds, working with a lot of elderly people. And I liked it. I thought it was really great. Um, It was such a good experience. And I think it felt very fulfilling to be able to help people in that way. Yeah. So, you know, I did clinical for maybe about like three years and I started kind of having this tug where I felt like, you know, clinical is really cool, but I wish that I could have more continuity of care with my clients. Like I see these people and then the follow-up, they're already discharged and that's a good thing for them. But, you know, (laughs) for me, it's like, I don't get to experience that relationship factor that I really wanted. Yeah. So I spent a year working at a private practice also in my area, and their main focus was eating disorders. And that was so eye opening, so helpful for me, you know, because I had my own journey with food and kind of struggled with food and body image. And so to be able to learn and work with these other, you know, dietitians that were so well experienced and trained to help people recover from eating disorders, like that was instrumental in my journey with where my business is at now. Yeah. So I did that for a year and in November I actually launched my own business focusing primarily on people that have diabetes and struggle with binge eating disorder, which very closely relates to what I've struggled with myself. Yeah. So, you know, I started that in November. And basically what I do right now is I do all Zoom telehealth, and I see people with all types of diabetes. I help them work through some of these disordered eating patterns that can come up with diagnosis, uh, with stigma around diabetes, because it is yeah. so, so there and so complicated. Yeah, We work through a lot of the shame that people feel just with like looking at blood sugar. So, you know, my whole business is now helping people heal their relationships with food and manage their blood sugars in a way that doesn't feel restrictive. So that is why I'm here today.
0: I freaking love it. Let's break some of this down because I was just like frantically taking notes as you were saying the things. No, I love this. I love this. So, oh, I can't even read my notes. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Something. Oh, there we go. So I've heard from different people, different instances, kind of something epic happening in their lives, being the initiator for some type of autoimmune response or sometimes even cancer as a response. And like, I don't know the scientific validity behind that, Mm -hmm. but it's really interesting that that in Mm -hmm. your case, at least Mm -hmm. it seems to have started something that Again, like maybe it was a light switch, right? Like maybe it was a light switch, like half on.
1: And then it just kind of went fluke and like went fully on, you know? Absolutely. Mind blown there. So interesting. And something that I didn't really realize until maybe about like three years ago is that I have like a little bit of like darkening on my skin, like on this side. And I went to a dermatologist and I had that for a while and I didn't realize it. So like you were saying, it's just like that light switch. And my yeah. dermatologist, like probably from like insulin resistance building up. And it's like, wow. So, you know, like I didn't know nobody in my family had this, but it's like that autoimmune response happened. and. Yeah. It's not my fault, you know, that's just genetically what was going on, you know, all that. But it's just fascinating to see how, like, everyone's story can be so different.
0: Totally. That then leading into kind of the space that you're in now, giving people the permission to eat in a way that feels really good to them. Being, I mean, being a teenager, that must have been really challenging, right? Like with this new diagnosis and like feeling yeah. like you have to do things in a certain way. So yeah. if you don't mind me asking, if you don't mind mm-hmm. da- like yeah. talking yeah. about this, mm-hmm. was there, like, was it challenging eating in a way that like served your blood sugar well, but also that felt good to you? Like, what was some of that internal battle like?
1: Oh, yeah. It was it was very interesting. I feel like it was almost like stages of grief, you know, Um, like prior to the diagnosis, I had already, you know, like my parents had been putting me on diets for a really long time. So I was kind of familiar with it, but also like rebellious to it. Like, okay, you're telling me to do something. I don't want to do it. And, you know some disordered patterns in that way. But when I was diagnosed with diabetes and all of a sudden it's like, it was this feeling like your life depends on it and it's very extreme. Yeah. Yeah, there was like fear that was there. And I think the fear definitely pushed me towards trying to find a way to eat in a way that served me and my blood sugars. But it felt very conflicting. Like it felt like honoring my cravings wasn't the right thing to do. And so, you know, for like a really long time, I, I would, you know, have fat free products, I would cut out carbs. And I really just wasn't satisfied with food. If I was being honest, it's like I was constantly craving things and I was trying to find replacements for it. And honestly, it didn't really help my blood sugars that much. So it's like almost like the stress of it was worse than just allowing myself to find a way of eating where I could be satisfied and manage my blood sugars.
0: Totally. So obviously having gone through that, you can definitely relate with your clients on that level. Coming from the mindset of like what we learned in school and like I graduated, oh God, like a Almost a decade ago, but like Mm -hmm. still, that like in the grand scheme of things, like that's not very long ago in nutrition science y world. I know things are changing all the time, but like we were very clear on like learning exchanges and like that's what we taught people, you know. And I'm sure, like, I'm sure they experienced or like you experienced something along those lines, like going Mm -hmm. through it. But obviously, that mindset has shifted so much, probably more so within like the last five years than anything. So what has that transition looked like personally for you and how has that shifted the way that like you work with clients who may have experienced that as well?
1: That's such a great question because I've been thinking about this a lot like within the past like 3 or 4 months because I think, you know, like when the exchanges came out, you know, the carb counting, all that, you know, yes, those can be really helpful tools for people that just genuinely don't understand, you know, how to dose for insulin, things like that. But it can almost get taken to an extreme where Mm -hmm. the numbers become everything. And so, you know, I think something that I've really shifted for myself when I'm talking to clients is I really try to understand I always ask, you know, before I even work with a client, their eating disorder history, their patterns with dieting, because sometimes numbers can be very triggering for people. And so what I've tried to do instead is more of a visual plate. So rather than having like, okay, well, if you have three-fourths cup of this and you have five grapes, it's like instead of doing like very specific numbers, it's kind of like a more general. And I know some people may say like, well, then you're not going to get an accurate bolus dose. And it's like, you know. Sometimes we can calculate it correctly, give ourselves the exact amount, and your blood sugar still may not go to the place you want it to be. Yeah. So I would rather you get a visual of what your plate should look like, know how you can balance things, and monitor and see how your blood sugars go. Because. I find I do not I do not weigh food anymore. I do not count carbs. I do visuals and I watch my blood sugars and I see how they can be stable. So it's just a method that I've moved towards as a way to help people become less fixated on this perfectionism around numbers.
0: And I wonder with the history of disordered eating when the clients that you work with, I feel like Not only can those numbers be triggering, but like that probably is something that you're right. They fixate on and that becomes the end all be all not being able to see
1: outside of that scope. Totally, totally. And even in like, I have a, like a free public uh, Facebook page for some people. And I remember one time I posted like, here's a fun recipe. And you know, it's like, I understand where people are coming from. But somebody asked me, they're like, well, how many carbs and what's the serving? And it's like, totally valid question. I understand where you're coming from. Also, you know, like if we were to look at a visual, we could kind of figure this out without you having to be like, I'm cutting this amount of food and I have to, you know, like it it just takes off some of that pressure.
0: I I feel like fortunate that I've never experienced food in that way before, but I can understand how it can escalate very quick, especially if you've been told by typically a medical professional that like, this is what you have to do the rest of your life. That okay. can be scary. That can be challenging. Yeah. So is there anything else that like you find in your world that may be even misperceived by fellow dietitians?
1: When it comes to diabetes or just comes comes to uh, diabetes, yeah. I think yeah, this is an interesting question. I think that a lot of times you know, dietitians may not realize the mental load of diabetes. Like, yes, absolutely. We want to help people understand that pairing your carbs with proteins, fats, and adding fibers, really excellent. Sure. Adding whole grains, like we can give all the recommendations, but if we're not understanding where that person is at with even just grasping what they're doing, yeah, it's kind of just like falling on deaf ears because you're overwhelming them. So I would say that's probably something that isn't very well understood by a lot of dietitians is just, it's stressful. And I, one more thing to add and not get into a tangent, but I think it's also the language in the medical charts of saying someone is non-compliant. you know, saying that they're not doing something. It's like, we have to wonder why is that, you know, like there's, Always a reason, and it's not because they don't care. A person living with diabetes literally feels their blood sugars all day long, has so many decisions, and on top of that, they get someone that says, like, you need to fix this. It's like, got it, I'm living it. So, yeah, the mental load for sure.
0: Yeah, I I hope that throughout nutrition as a whole that we are understanding that a little bit more. I feel like when I was in school, like that was that was it, right? Like we're we're the experts, but we're telling you what to do. And now yeah. it seems as though it's gone a little bit more, at least a little bit more, in the direction of let's look holistically at all of these factors, right? So yeah. I love that you were able to highlight that, and I really hope that that is where we are going as a field, where it, it is a little bit more inclusive of. Like the mental toll on mm-hmm. whatever that looks mm-hmm. like, their history of eating, mm-hmm. what they're what they're doing physically, if they're capable of doing anything physically, they're if their capable. lifestyle What's allows their access, that, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So I really hope that that's where our field is going, and I love that you were able to to bring that up. too. I think it's also important, like when when someone is borderline, quote unquote, diabetic, right? Like that can be. Mm-hmm. That can be an initial wake up call for for some people as well to maybe start making those changes. But I've seen it in typically from like the MD community, like this is what you have to do right now. You know what I mean? It becomes very, very urgent. And I don't know if you see that in the clients that you work with, too, but like even at that stage, it becomes a mental Mm -hmm. burden.
1: Absolutely, I I do have some clients currently that are in that pre-diabetic range, and I almost feel like their stress levels are even higher than somebody like living with di. I mean, this is hard to say because everyone's different, but what I mean is Holy. like as far as like that urgency because mm-hmm. they feel like like a death sentence is being put on them, you know. And yeah. then the doctor's like, "Come back in three months," and you know, so it's like you have all this pressure that's building upon you know you're doing something wrong and it's like, that's not the case. It's like, why don't we just take a look at what you're doing currently? And are there things that you can add in that would be beneficial? And, you know, like it's not your fault. Genetics plays such a huge part with diabetes, family history, race, age, like so many different things. But can we understand what you're doing now that, you know, maybe you can add something in that would be helpful for you and help you feel better? Yeah.
0: Oh, man, such a game changer. Yeah. Do you feel like, because we mentioned this earlier, that you have worked with Jess in the past. Shout out to Empowering dietician. Oh my gosh, she's the best. Do you feel like working with a supervision or working within supervision, like working with your client load has been really beneficial for you?
1: Oh, totally. Absolutely. Jess was someone that was very helpful for me too, just because I was dealing with so much imposter syndrome, you know, like entering into this like a uh, private practice space. And, you know, I did a lot of supervision at the private practice with eating disorders yeah. Um So that was also a really great experience because I didn't feel like I had that during clinical. But, you know, I think supervision in general is so helpful for dietitians. And it's like you get the opportunity to share what you're working on with someone and they can give you a different perspective or they can give you feedback. And I feel like that only makes you stronger And sometimes I think as dieticians, it's like we tend to label ourselves like, oh, we're like type A and like everything has to be a certain way. And it's like, yeah, "Yeah, but we're also imperfect like everyone else and we're constantly growing. So why not let someone else in the field go alongside with you and help you? Preach, girl. Yes. (laughs) I always ask for help. Yes. (laughs) Always.
0: Yeah. And I think you're right. Like getting someone else's perspective on it is so imperative. And we feel like we have to be solopreneurs like in this space and like, whether you're working in clinical or you are a solopreneur or you're working in someone else's private practice, like there's so much space to collaborate, Mm -hmm. to just brainstorm and like run ideas by someone else
1: who's maybe experienced
0: it or maybe hasn't, but can give you better insight or just different
1: insight. Totally. Yeah, it's a game changer. So definitely I am like a uh, team supervision all the time. <laughs> it's great. So that's one way to collaborate with fellow RDs. What mm-hmm.
0: are some other ways that you enjoy collaborating with fellow dietitians?
1: Oh, I really love doing Instagram lives. They honestly terrify me. Um, (laughs) I know, you know, this whole, the start of our podcast, I had some technical difficulties. I still have technical difficulties on Instagram live, but you know, it's like, again, like I said, we're imperfect people and we just show up. And I think our following likes to see that we're human. So I love doing Instagram lives with other dietitians and I, I specifically try to find dietitians, In specific niches, I've also found therapists and, you know, body image experts, things like that, because I feel like each person has like a value they bring to the table that is so unique and so different. So it's really cool to get a chance to just chat with people. So yeah, I love Instagram lives. Yeah, that's I'm pretty sure like initially how how we started our conversations too. (laughs) people love that live too. like I I get comments from people about some of the cooking tips you (sighs) gave. Yeah, like it's it's so cool. So again, it's like this is something like I'm not an expert in, but getting to have a conversation with a fellow RD that is an expert. It's like you just bring that value and it's helpful for people.
0: Dude, totally. I think playing in our sandbox, like our superpower sandbox, like that is how we can make Really cool things happen, and that also allows space for these collaborations when we're in our superpower sandbox. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I like that superpower sandbox. I'm gonna hold on to that because <laughs> then you get to play around in it, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did a live with uh, another dietitian recently, and she like specializes in chronic kidney disease. People love oh. that too. You know, it's like there's just so many things that you can do and. I think collaborating with each other versus feeling like it's a competition is also good. Something Jess actually told me a while ago, which has stuck with me, was, you know, there there are plenty of clients out there. And even if someone doesn't choose to work with you, it doesn't mean that there aren't clients out there for you. It's just finding yeah. that right fit. So yeah, it's like reminding yourself that these collaborations, sure, someone watching it may not end up being your client but they may find that the person on the live with you is a really good fit for them. And isn't that great? Isn't that great that they found someone that can help them? So yeah, a hundred
0: percent. I love that mindset. Yeah. So if fellow RDs want to collaborate with you, what's your Instagram? Where's the best place to find you? Tell them all the things.
1: Yeah. So uh, my Instagram is uh, Food freedom Diabetes. That's where I'm at mostly. It's also my email at gmail.com. Uh, so you can always just send me a message, start a conversation with me to chat. And if we want to do a live together, I'm always happy to set something up. So yeah, you can find me there. Awesome. Danielle,
0: as always, it is a pleasure. I'm super stoked that you were here today. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. What's really interesting is that I mentioned something similar on Instagram this week. And as dietitians, we get into the field because we want to help people or something affects us and in response, we want to help people to it. It's really beautiful. So I hope that you guys got a lot out of this episode and let's do a quick recap. One, consider what you do from a client perspective. How can working collaboratively with a team benefit the care of your client? Two. When working with clients with diabetes, remember to consider the mental load they may be feeling. Three, always ask for help. Working under supervision can give you a different perspective and make you a stronger person. Shout out to Jess Ramola, guest from last week. I think we forget that we can ask for help as solopreneurs or as entrepreneurs, whether it's in a community space like iHost or what Jess hosts via supervision, we can ask for help and that's okay. So consider that this week, consider that in the future. Like if you need some guidance, ask for it, search for it, seek it out. There are tons of people out there who want you to succeed and want to help you. So going back to talking about the community spaces that I love to host One is coming up and it's happening in person in New York City. So on January 29th, 2023, it is a Saturday from 1 to 5 p.m. I'm hosting a summit and social. It is all about talking about collaboration in our field going forward. There's a panel discussion with three amazing speakers and I got the event approved for one and a half CEUs. So not only are we going to be enjoying some delicious Italian food via a three course meal, we'll have some vino, you'll be able to interact and network with some other really amazing dietitians, but then you'll also get one and a half CEUs for the event as well. The ticket price is $299 for RDs, and then for either interns or students, it is $255. You just have to reach out to me. So if this is something that you can make on January 28th, 2023 in NYC, I would love to meet up in real life. And if this is something you can't make, but you know another dietitian who would be down to go to something like this, please share this with them. I would really, really, really appreciate it. And second big announcement coming for the new year, I am holding human design type specific collab roundtables. And what is a roundtable? So I guess in essence, it can be considered like a mastermind, but the masterminds that I've been to have always felt like group coaching calls where there was one leader and everyone else was asking that leader a question. I chose to name this the CoLab and my business booth says that I should like spell it out for you because it's a really cool way of seeing the word. It's like C-O apostrophe L-A-B. So like a co laboratory, if you will. Anyway, <laughs> the CoLab Roundtable is a space where I am not the guru. I don't pretend to be the guru, but we foster... This sense of community and we rely on each other's knowledge base, each other's experiences to come to, conclu- to come to conclusions, to address challenges that we may be facing. I'm there to give my my opinion last, right? Like I let the other people in the space speak first. And I think that's the difference with a round table. And with the human design type specific, like you're going to be with other manifestors or you're going to be with other manifesting generators, projectors, generators, or reflectors, right? Like you're going to be with your peeps. So you can see one, how you guys are very similar, but also the cool part about it is seeing how vastly different you are and the uniquenesses that are still within these very high arching categories. And I think it's a really cool place to start because like, A lot of times people group manifesting generators together and they're just like, okay, well, you have to respond to things and like that's it. But there's so much more nuance to it when you look at someone's chart specifically. And that's what we get into in that space, to help you make decisions for your business that feel more aligned and to run your business in a way that feels more you rather than feeling like you have to do every seasonal promotion there is, right? Like you don't have to do a Black Friday sale if it doesn't feel aligned. So think that through. So the, in January on the 10th, I'll be starting a manifestor-specific roundtable. On the 12th, I'll be starting a projector-specific collab roundtable. And then in February, the first week, I believe, I'll be hosting Manifesting Generator and Generator specific spaces. So, if you want to be in a space with others of your same human design type to explore those similarities, to explore those differences, discuss business challenges, to gain perspective through a human design lens, and to connect and form genuine relationships, then these spaces are for you. I'm not trying to hide it. So, the investment is $15.55, or we can break that up into three payments of 550 um, over the course of three months, and the space itself is six weeks long, so we dive deep in that six weeks. In addition, you also receive a one hour session to explore your human design with my favorite human design coach. So, if you want the details, check out the show notes so you can see all the dates there. Or if you have more questions, I would love to hop on a virtual coffee chat and answer any questions that you have. But I'm really excited for what's to come in the new year, and I hope you are as well. Until next week.